0: You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe
1: Pizapia, and welcome to the pre-snap right here on the line star app it is me it is michael rathburn and we are breaking down week five for you in the nfl yes we're here already unbelievable certainly a week where we are going to recap some of the good and the bad that we had obviously in week four and there was a whole lot of both so that's a good thing well a whole lot of good a little bit of bad but look in a week wrath where a lot of games looked like they were going to be lower score and we see this trend in the nfl continue where offense is just at an all-time high, touchdowns are at an all-time high, the offensive explosion's really taken hold, and even some of these games where we thought they were going to be maybe lesser total contests, they exceeded all expectations. So what's your takeaway so far in the first four weeks of the season for that very topic? I mean, where are we right now in terms of gameplay and scoring the NFL in terms of
2: DFS? Yeah, I think that it's it's certainly going to make things harder because if you have more variance in scoring it will mean that uh you know especially in cash games that your margin of error is going to be a lot less so i think we saw that where we had people that were in the 200s on draftkings not cash in 50-50s and so just some of the takes that i have is um, a couple of players in the industry told me, and this is just what they told me, not I, I you know, I'm just relaying it that they're actually going to start going in back and playing more head to heads. And they feel like that there's more, uh, uh, you know, because they could run into some lineups that maybe aren't, um, optimal, whereas in a 50, 50, oftentimes you may run into the same lineup repeatedly because somebody either gave out that lineup or the optimizer gave it out. So I thought that was an interesting uh, observation that people um, that play pretty high volume actually told me they were going to start playing a lot more head-to-heads.
1: All right. Well, for those people who don't play high volume and hear that kind of news, is this an opportunity to go into those multi-entry tournaments because maybe there's just less of those people? I mean, I think that's highly overreactionary to – uh, one given, I mean, I know it's a trend, but it's still a week that didn't quite pan out the way many had thought. But still, to me, that seems like a gross overreaction or they're setting up a trap where they want more people to go in.
2: <laughs> no, I don't. I, I agree with it because if you, it, the theory behind it was that when the pl- two players analyzed their lineups for week four, they profited in head-to-heads and lost money in 50-50s. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But I mean, I mean, talking about even... Even tournament wise, do you
1: think that you're going to see people kind of pull off the tournaments a little bit? And, you know, in, in that sense, or you think those guys are the tournament guys only and, and you know, that nothing will No, I them.
2: think I think it's going to do a couple of things. One is the smart player. Like the ones I spoke to will gravitate to head to heads and cash more. Other players are going to get out of 50 50s and play tournaments because they figure there's no upside in 50 50s. OK, so that, you know, that's what I would see.
1: All right. That's fair. The other thing that we've seen so far is, I mean, basically what we've seen is a real separation between kind of the haves and have nots. There are some really bad defenses out there, and uh, I know it's very easy to target them. And some really stellar offenses out there, too. Obviously, Kansas City comes to mind. The Rams come to mind. We saw uh, the Patriots start to ramp up a little bit the last two weeks. So when you're looking at that and you're looking at that starkness, is this something that you think there is? ability for teams like the bucks to turn things around, or you think this is something that's going to last all year long where you're targeting certain teams like the Falcons, like the Bucs, and you're looking for high totals all year round.
2: Yeah. A lot of it is injury related. So we weren't targeting the Falcons and then they had a rash of injuries. And now we see what happened. We weren't targeting the chargers. They had a rash of injuries. We see what happened. So that's really what's going to dictate things. Now, in other instances, uh, whether it's the Bucks' lack of personnel, whether it's the Saints uh, because they've been playing differently without Ingram, and then they did have some issues in the secondary, there's different reasons about why certain defenses just have you know not performed well at all and been like bottom five. So I think we just have to understand the context of why those teams are not performing well, and the Chiefs' personnel, Bucks' personnel. Uh, Saints could be a little bit of personnel in the way they're playing without Ingram. uh, Chargers, injuries, um, Rams could run into some issues. uh, We'll see. But uh, also the Falcons. Uh, You know, it's very clear that there's some very good offensive teams and there's some very bad defensive teams. So, you know, there's been a clear separation so far after four weeks. And prime example is Trubitsky carving up Tampa Bay. Now, right. it's not have, something you
1: could take over and say, well, okay, Trubisky, I'm going to expect high expectations every week. Right. I mean, we want development from it was, Trubisky.
2: he was 1% owned for a reason. Uh, the likelihood of outcomes in that game. Uh, yeah. Have the Bucks given up 30 points plus to opposing quarterbacks? Absolutely. Did Trubisky ever score 30? No. So there was a range of outcomes that said Trubisky could blow up but it was on the very small side. So, you know, it's a lesson learned that, uh, you know, regardless of sometimes matchups work and sometimes they don't. Uh, Perfect example, Eli Manning against the weak Saints secondary, weak Saints defense uh, didn't perform well, you know, did horrible. So, you know, it goes both ways. All right. I
1: want to have a question for you. Because of what you saw from Trubisky, does you think that in a couple of weeks when you see the Browns take on the Buccaneers, do you think Baker Mayfield's going to be a little bit more loved in terms of ownership? Because, well, you saw Trubisky do it. So why can't another rookie quarterback do it as well? Do you think people will see the Trubisky thing as a one off or do you think it'd see it as a potential opportunity?
2: Uh, for me, it feels like Mayfield is what I call internet darling. And he <laughs> well, is. Ownership...
1: know, because I know you are an internet darling
2: as well. So. Right. We talked about that in the preseason. Um, Baker's and in, Mayfield's an internet darling. His ownership is always going to be juiced up. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of edge taking Mayfield. I, I wouldn't shock me if he's like third or fourth owned and just, they just, people are just going to pump him up and then there's not going to be an edge. So probably a player that I'm going to be fading until Look, Jimmy Garoppolo is not in the player pool anymore, so Baker Mayfield can fill that slot.
1: Look at you. All right, let's uh, talk about what we got uh, right last week. Certainly our biggest win was absolutely just nailing the 49er Chargers game. I mean, we said it. We said it right here. It's going to be a lot closer, and Chargers give up big plays, and Kittle was the one guy that we were talking about, and sure enough, (laughs) everything that we talked about, I mean, basically went down in that one. So uh, I imagine feeling pretty strong after that one, right, Rath?
2: Uh, that one went well. And I felt <laughs> like, uh, but I, I, I felt like I had a really good read on that game. And sometimes you just, you know, you watch enough teams and you, you watch enough football over the years where you just know if a team look bad team, bad defenses, should you never ever want to look at bad defenses laying huge points in the NFL. And the Chargers were a 10 point favorite, went up to 10 and a half. They're a bad defense. So they're always going to let the other team hang around. And like you said, giving up big plays, things like that, that's another red flag. So, you know, the Chargers are going to put up points Mm -hmm. and if their defense is bad and the Niners are going to be able to hang, that means they're going to match scores. And so that's why I really like the 49ers side of it, as far as really being able to match the scoring with them. And they absolutely, they were, I mean, they really had an opportunity to win the game.
1: Yeah, you and I were both in accordance on that one. We were split on this next one, which we like you put collectively as a miss. Uh, the Texans and Colts, which, you know, was a low scoring game for most of the first half, but then exploded. We all know um, the, the Colts defense. Look, I, I mean, I watched them last night. That linebacking core is slow. You know, already now they've had even more injuries. So going forward that Colts defense, I think everybody's got a, a fair idea that they could certainly target against them. Uh, and what we learned, you know, there's another thing that we were split on. I actually did the video on fan about it, that this is going to be Ezekiel Elliott's big time day. I thought two touchdowns, I didn't get the two, but still a good day. And, you know, when we're targeting those certain, those certain stats and those certain numbers that we can't forget that the primetime players are still primetime players for a reason. When they have good matchups, sometimes you have to take all the stuff you've seen so far and all the other ills of those teams. And the Cowboys have many ills. That's certainly true, but you think that we've, you know, can just remind ourselves that sometimes, Hey, Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Julio Jones, you know, so you'd be sick with them. You have uh, good matchups. Y- you got to go in with them too and hope for the best. You think that's the big takeaway here, or you think this is a one-off there because of Detroit's
2: uh, defense I think, run. I think the thing with Zeke is you got to pick your spots when you use them. And I just had a very hard line approach when we recorded last week. And I just, uh, it was, it was not on him. I wanted to go cheap running back. And what happened was as I'm building lineups throughout the weekend, I'm realizing that I don't feel good about my running back. So I go back and I do another, I, I do another run through about running back and I'm looking at Zeke and I'm looking at Barkley and I'm saying, boy, I, and Gordon, and I'm saying, I gotta have one or two of these guys in play. Right. And so I had a
1: lot of the back. I was either Gordon and Saquon or it was Ezekiel and Saquon. I I wish I had Gordon and Elliot. That was the one I think I did not have, but right. So
2: I like the Gordon play more. They were a 10 point favorite. He gets a huge workload. He's getting receiving. You know, my concern is if I thought the giants would keep the game close, but I didn't think Barkley had an opportunity to really blow up. Um, When I looked at the player props that came out Sunday morning on Bovada, that's what really made my decision for me is that Zeke was at the top of the board for touchdown and for total yards, so I, I definitely jumped on Zeke for that reason. And you know, like I said, i be very transparent. I was not on him when we recorded last week. However, as I'm building lineups, you could say it. You, I, I
1: convinced you. I, I brought you over to the team. Come on, it's all right. You could say it. I just it. couldn't on, get Rad. away.
2: Like when I was building cash game lineups, I could not get away from him because I felt like there was nowhere else to go. Boy,
1: he's he's and, tough.
2: And it was a good game. Look, they were a small home favorite. It was a good game script. Detroit's not good against the run. So even though I was kind of dead set of being off the game and off of him, I did have to adjust my thought process when I was building lineups because I couldn't go with what I had. I just knew that it wasn't going to win.
1: All right. We're getting a break. We come back. We're going to see if I can crack the nut. That is Michael Rathburn because in some of these games coming up, I think we're going to have differing opinions again but a lot of similar ones also on some other games. So we're going to break them all down for you week five style. We're also going to do little price plays where we identify where player salary is significantly cheaper on one site versus the other. So this is important stuff. You don't want to miss it. We're just getting started here. More pre-snap right after this.
0: The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by LineStar. New to daily fantasy sports? Don't have the time to put into researching and building your lineups? Let LineStar do the work for you. Build winning lineups with LineStar. Download now in the App Store.
1: All right, welcome back to the pre-snap, everybody. Joe Pizapia, Michael Rathburn. Let's start with our game previews. The Dolphins are going to travel after an absolute shellacking into Cincinnati this week. It opened at minus 5.5, now gone to six. Uh, the over was 50, and now at 48 and a half, so it's come down a little bit. You have Mixon coming back into this game. Gio Bernard banged up. Uh, even let's start with that. Just from the Bengal side of things, I don't think they would be putting Mixon out there if he wasn't really ready to go. I think he's he showed you too much in the first two weeks to risk it. So my opinion is Mixon is healthy, and that is a good thing overall for this offense and for the Cincinnati defense as well. Do you think the same thing or do you think this geo injury is a little overrated and he eats into the timeshare bit?
2: No, I'm with you on the mixing thing. Dr. David Chow, who is really the, the, the he's number good. one guy. Yeah. He's, many, he's the many mini. shows I've had him on. Yep. So he came out a few weeks ago and talked about the mixing injury with uh, Warren Sharp and Evan Silva and just provided incredible insight. And, you know, basically said, Cincinnati is the only team that has an MRI machine in the stadium. That's why they were able to get such a a quick prognosis on Mixon. He broke down Mixon's injury, he talked about it extensively and he had predicted Mixon would only be out two weeks. So, he's been dead on. I'm going to trust him and everything that he says. I mean, he's been more right than wrong on a lot of things. And so, I'm with you. I think Mixon plays. As far as DFS goes, I haven't I haven't pulled the trigger on him yet. Uh I want to kind of get confirmation about what we think the backfield is going to be as far as workload. But I think he's certainly a guy that's under the radar and I'm just curious if they're going to, you know, have him on a limit to, you know, limits or what. So that's really what Yeah,
1: I doing. would agree with that. From a DFS standpoint, it's a little tough. I know in the Cincinnati. I mean, season, I really want
2: to use him. I really want to use him. Yeah, I, I do too top, the cost, but, You
1: yeah. know what? I think I think it might be one of these things <laughs> almost like last weekend as you get closer to the games, you might go throw him in a lineup and see what happens potentially. Now, a lot of people also in the tight end with Eifert out, it'll be Croft and Uzoma. I, I don't know. I don't think I can get interested in either. I know there's a price break and I know there's opportunity. I, I'm not feeling it. Are you feeling any of these tight ends in Cincinnati?
2: I actually don't mind Uzoma. Um, That's the way we, I break. If I'm going to, I agree. Yeah, you. If you, if you wanted to do an off the board Bengal stack, uh, Dalton green, Uzoma, Uh, would be an interesting play um, just because he's super cheap. And if you think he's going to get a touchdown, uh, my take on the game is this Uh, I'm not in love with the Bengals this week. And I've been all over the Bengals every single week this year, pretty much. But you and me both agree. I'm not sure about the spot. And I think that uh, this total has come down. I think the total was way jacked up. Um, I think the Dolphins, look, there's going to be a ton of recency bias on the Dolphins. The Dolphins are projected to be the lowest owned team uh, in DFS this week. And I think that provides an opportunity. Uh, Look, the total is still 48 and a half. Um, They are under under a touchdown uh, underdog. I think that they're going to be able to hang. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against the Bengals. I think this is just a difficult spot for the Bengals. I think the Dolphins are primed to pull an upset.
1: Yeah, I I think they're going to show a little respect for themselves, too, after that ass whooping they got in New England. So, you know, sometimes that happens where teams go in there and they get their doors blown off, and then they show you a little bit of self-respect when they go out. And, and look, it's tougher to do on the road, but uh, I'm with you. I don't think this is going to be the complete blowout that other people see. All right, Giants head to Carolina against the Panthers. We're coming off a bye. This opened at minus six. Uh, and at 44, now it's 43 and a half, so not much movement there. So Panthers coming off a bye. I really like Cam Newton in this one. I, I got I to be honest with you. I, I pick my spots very carefully with Cam. I just feel like this is an opportunity here for him coming off the bye to really have himself one of those games where he's got a lot of rushing yards and he's got a lot, he's got a rushing touchdown in there as well against this Giants defense. How do you see this one working out here with the Giants going on the road after, let's face it, a disappointing day where they did not attack the Saints downfield the way they should have. How do you see this one shaken out?
2: Yeah, I certainly was uh, was thinking that the Giants were going to show up and be able to win the game last week. And look, if you were to look at the game and say, what, look at Breeze and Thomas, and you know they completely shut those guys down. And basically until the middle of the third quarter, they had kept Kamara under wraps too. Unfortunately, the offense didn't come up. It didn't, didn't match. Yeah, you can't
1: put 18 points up against that Saints defense. It's given up so many points yeah. so far this year. Yeah. That's just I mean,
2: it's just a matter of time before the the, the floodgates open, and that's what happened. Uh, I think it's a really bad spot for the Giants. Uh, the Panthers coming off the bye. They're at home. Cam usually thrives in a uh, non-division home favorite spot. That's That's his prime opportunity. Um, this total is relatively low. And I remember this was a similar total that we got when the Bengals were at the Panthers. However, completely different offensive teams here in, in the Giants and the Bengals at this point, I think the Giants are going to have a very difficult time moving the ball against the Panthers defense. I think the, I think I agree with you. I think this is going to be a ground game for the Panthers. I think it's going to be a lot of McCaffrey. It's going to be a lot of Newton and it's going to be a lot of dump-off passes. I could see McCaffrey having a very huge workload in this game. And if that's the case and they're going to grind out, I projected this out at 24-13. It wouldn't shock me if it gets to 27 or 29-13. But the over-under is 43-and-a-half, and and I am leaning under. Uh, So I just don't – you know, I think the Panthers could certainly put up anywhere from 24-29. to And I don't think the Giants are going to reach more than two touchdowns in this game. I could see one touchdown, two field goals. I think it's a very bad spot for the Giants. I won't have any ownership on any of their players. I'll have a little bit of new in and McCaffrey, I think, is cash game staple.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that statement 100%. Broncos at Jets open at two and a half. Now it's minus one. The totals forty two and a half. 42 and A tough spot for the Broncos here. I think we can all agree here. You know, they've been... You know, you watch Keenum and Keenum is one of these quarterbacks who has been able to do enough, you know, last year with Minnesota to keep them in games and whatnot. But do you think this is a spot where the Broncos come out flat or do you think this is a spot where they go, you know what, this is a must win game. We need to go out there and be aggressive. And that pass rush against a rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold, I think gives them a distinct advantage if they come out aggressive. But are you concerned that they come out a little flat after last week's uh, loss to Kansas City?
2: Yeah, I am. I think the public looks at this and says, why are the Jets favored? And so that could also sway things from a DFS perspective. I don't think I have any, any no. stake in this, you know, outside of maybe a small play on the Broncos defense from a price perspective uh, in a tournament. But look, the Broncos travel on East 1 PM start jets coming off a smoking, you know, they got creamed at Jacksonville, the Broncos. I hate this spot off a Monday night loss against Kansas city. Uh, they could have potentially won the game you know a division game it's just it's really hard to see the Broncos getting up for this game especially the first half wouldn't shock me if the Jets established you know a 10 or a 13 point lead in the first half Um, again from a DFS perspective I don't see a lot here uh, outside of maybe the Broncos defense going against a rookie quarterback but I see this being a, you know, one of the dud games of the week. And I think the jets will find a way to win the game.
1: Now this one I'm excited about Jaguars and Chiefs from a football fan perspective. This is a game that I think everybody wants to see. This is a potential AFC championship game type of feel to it uh, with two teams that are very much in that running right now, open at three and a half. Now it's a three. The totals forty-nine. 49. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, talking a little bit of Tyree Hill. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but you know, we we've discussed Bortles on the show a lot and I know that one week he had that bad game, but you know, in retrospect, that Tennessee defense where, you know, I think we all, you know, yeah, I, I and was then hardcore he he on them did. last week. I called that upset, you know, last week on this very show that Tennessee was going to win that football game. They've got a toughness about them, that you can't measure statistically they're just yeah. a tough football team, but Bortles in this one Fournette's out. So we know Yeldon, you're going to be firing him up all purpose yard potential there is D.D. Westbrook a guy you would want to pair with Bortles or is this again a naked Bortles situation because you just don't have a feel it's starting to look like Westbrook but I'm curious what your take is
2: yeah I mean I mentioned um when we get into wide receivers that is one of the guys I'm going to talk about but um look um it's not often where you get the Jaguars in in an over under of 49 and I think it's a really interesting spot much like the I didn't like the Broncos coming off Monday night. I don't like the Chiefs coming off Monday night. Again, division game, a lot of energy expended. Now they got to play a Jaguars team that got beat by the Titans, got right against the Jets. And I think the Jaguars defense is looking at this as a Super Bowl type of game and that, hey, our defense is number one, and we want to go prove that we're better than the number one offense in football. So I think this Jaguars defense is going to be super juiced to play. And I think that this is a spot where I'm going to be fading the Chiefs. Now, DraftKings did adjust the pricing on the Chiefs down to try and at least entice you to go that way, but uh, I don't want any piece of KC in this spot. I do like Bortles, I do like Westbrook, uh, I do like Yeldon, and I think that I don't. I think this game is going under. I got a Jaguars 27 20. Um, that's barely under. But the point being here is that I don't think there's going to be a lot of value on KC, and I think that Yeldon certainly is a factor in this game as well. And it just really, uh, I think the Jaguars are going to be out to prove that they are the team in the AFC here. I think it's a statement game for them, and I really like them. I'll tell you what I think
1: Kansas City is going to get up for this game. I think Mahomes has proven that he gets up for these games. And I'll tell you what, the Jaguars, as great as they are defensively, And I saw them last year go on the road to a big time offense in Pittsburgh and give up a ton of points. I saw them give up points to the Patriots on the road. I've seen them give up a lot of points on the road at times, and it's not that they're not a scary defense and it's not that they can't shut a team down, but I think that what you're seeing here with Mahomes and KC is real. If this was in Kansas City, I might have a different I mean if this was in Jacksonville, pardon me, I think this would be a little bit of a different feel for me, but I actually think this one is going to exceed expectations on the KC side. So we'll see when we recap next week where we stand on this one. And Now Whether or not that makes it a great DFS investment, I don't necessarily think so. I think from a home standpoint, I'm still a little shy on that number, especially because of the other options we have. But the one-offs like Tyreek Hill are certainly, I think, some that you should pay attention to. All right, the Packers at Lions, it opened at minus one. uh, And Green Bay is uh, looking like the favorite here. The total is 51 for this one. And look, you know, the Packers coming off a big win against the Bills, but still it's the Bills. Last week, we were talking about Ezekiel Elliott and me loving him against Detroit I I know Aaron Jones doesn't get a huge amount of volume but I'm gonna say it again it's Detroit so I think he can make the most of that value do you think that with the injuries they've had to Allison and to Cobb that maybe you see a little bit more action in the running game because number one it makes sense to attack Detroit that way and number two maybe just out of necessity ref
2: I think you're going to see a lot of running from Green Bay this week. I think that based on all the injuries in the wide receiver core, Aaron Rodgers not being healthy, uh, Aaron Jones looking like the guy that's going to step in. I think this is just a really prime spot, uh, which is why I, I do like Detroit in the game, though. I think they find a way to pull it out, division home game. Uh, I do think Detroit's going to be able to move the ball. One of the things is, <clears throat> so there's a little bit of conflict in this game. Stafford in his last nine games against the Packers has dominated them. 17 touchdowns, three interceptions, 300 yards passing. Everything on paper looks great. However, uh, I'm going to reference LineStar app in this spot. I'm going to do an organic plug here, and I'm going to say that when I was doing research this week, and I'm pumping up Stafford, there's a guy in the – in the what you can do on line stars app is you can actually chat about a player and you can see what the conversation is about a player, which is a incredible feature. And so I, I clicked on Stafford. I read, and there was a lot of negativity on Stafford this week revolving around the talk about green Bay secondary and how the injury to Kevin King was the reason why that the Vikings blew up the Packers secondary and that when Kevin King is on the field, it's a completely different secondary. Also, Uh, They signed Brashard Breeland as well. So I had to really pause. And and really, as much as I wanted to be on Stafford this week with Tate, with Jones, with Galladay, I did start to come off of it because when I looked at it closer, uh, the person's right. And so, you know, I think that's why this total was 51, because there's been some instances where Green Bay has uh, gotten shredded. But if you look beyond the numbers, uh, I do start to like the under in this game. I think there will be a lot more running in this game. Uh, I've got Detroit winning the game 24, 23. And, you know, like I said, I'm really on Jones in this game.
1: All right, let's try to squeeze another one in here before the break. Let's talk about the Ravens at Browns. Ravens coming up a huge win for them on the road in Pittsburgh in division. Is there any possibility of a letdown? I know it's open at two and a half. Now it's minus three. Uh, the total dropped from 47 to 45 and a half. The Ravens defense is outstanding. So I don't think this is going to be a pretty game by any stretch of the means, but do you think Cleveland can give them a little bit of a fight, especially if they come out a little flat early after the letdown and just, I don't want to say overlooking Cleveland because I think everyone's starting to figure that out, but old habits die hard. And Cleveland's been the whipping boy for a very long time in this division for two decades. So do you think that there's anything here in this game that one should be concerned either from a a wagering standpoint or from a DFS standpoint when it comes to Baltimore?
2: Yeah, look, it's this is a this is a tough game to call as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I I like where the total is going. I think that's the direction of the game. The total opened at 47, I think, which was way too high. It's now down to 45 and a half. I think the total should be closer to 43. Uh, I could see more like a 23-20 type of game. Uh, yes, Ravens are coming off big win against the Steelers. Uh, if this was a non-division game. I'd say maybe there's a bit of a letdown, but I don't think there's going to be a letdown. The Browns have been competitive. They're not the whipping boy anymore, like you said. Jimmy Smith comes back for the Ravens, and that's a huge addition to this huge. defense. When Jimmy Smith is on the field, you don't pass. You don't pass against, against this Ravens defense. So I think Mayfield's just in a very bad spot. Uh, look, the Browns could have easily won the game last week. I think the Browns wow, should have won the game. <laughs> <That's right. brain. laughs> I know there's a ton of issues in the game, bad fo- bad calls, et cetera. Look, I think the Browns are in a tough spot. And I know there's a lot of contention of people that are taking the Browns plus three just because I think they're a home dog in the division. And But it's hard for me to even consider a team at plus three if I don't think they can. I don't think they can win the game. I All just right. don't.
1: Fair enough. You know, also coming away from that game last week, too, and we saw how, you know, how Chubb made the most of his opportunities there and some chatter about him getting more opportunities. Do you think that he's going to get maybe some some undue hype, especially with this matchup where people should you know be a little bit more reserved when it comes to jumping on that bandwagon just yet and daily? No,
2: I don't know. Nobody's talking about him. It's from in my in my. Part of the world, good because I mean, they shouldn't
1: things. be. Because I've I've heard some people talking about you know as a tournament. But I was like, no. How can uh, you
2: until you until, until there's volume, right? Until we know they're going to fire him up with at least fifty percent of the workload, you can't right. touch him. Exactly.
1: All right, Falcons Steelers. I you know I said one more, but you know we got time, so let's do one more here. Falcons at Steelers opened up at minus three and a half. Now it's minus three. The total is fifty six and a half. Now it's moved to fifty eight. I think this isn't going to go over that without a doubt. I, I don't I don't see a universe where that does not happen when you look at what these two teams have done so far. And you know, I know sometimes on paper everything looks good and whatnot, but I don't see any way this game ends up 16-13. Okay. There's there's no letdown in this one. This is another one of these games where Julio's volume has been epic so far. The the lack of run game from the Steelers with Connor, I mean <sighs> it's been very frustrating. I'm sure from their point of view, but I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on this one here? Because it looks like the obvious shootout of the week. We've seen sometimes the obvious things let us down so far this year. I don't think this is a letdown. Do you think there's any chance that this one is?
2: Uh, to an extent, I think so. And here's, here's the deal. So Falcons had three straight home games and all of them were, you know, shootouts and, uh, I'm a little bit concerned that now we go on the road, we go outdoors, and it's a non-conference road game. And I think at some point this team is going to realize that their season's probably already over based on all the injuries on defense and the running back situation. We're not 100% sure about what, what's going to, you know, who's going to exactly play this week. I think it's a bad spot for the Falcons in that the Steelers are desperate for a win here. Uh, Steelers at home, we know is a narrative. They're going to throw the ball a ton. Uh, my thing about this game is I got a funny feeling that, yeah, I like the game to go over, but I'm actually have the Steelers winning by 14. I've got the game 38-24. Wow. And I know what that means is that means that the Falcons are going to fall short of the team total. So that's kind of the way that I'm playing it this week. Uh, I just the think-
1: indication they're going to fall short of the total? Because – because why? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious because they do have so many weapons, Wrath, at this point, and they're okay. getting Freeman back in this game.
2: It's it's just a matter of how many times are they going to get – look, this team knows if they don't outscore the Steelers, they, they aren't winning. And there's only so much gas in the tank. They've had to play three crazy games in a row at home. Now they've got to go on the road. Now they've got to go outdoors. Now they've got to go and play a, a game that is a non-conference road game. I don't think the motivation is going to be there for the Falcons. I think their ownership is sky high and I don't, I just think that the Steelers in this spot are going to be able to get a lead. And I think that the, as bad as the Steelers defense is uh, I think that when you know that you've got a big lead again, this is all, you know, just my opinion, but I think the Falcons are just in a bad spot. we got to remember, last three games in a row at home in the Dome, in two division games, I'm concerned about motivation. That would be my biggest concern. I think they're playing for their season. That's that's motivation right there. They they are playing for their season, but I also think they're looking at it and saying, how can we get to 10 wins with everybody on our defense hurt?
1: Yeah, well, like, here's a good start. Go win in Pittsburgh against a bad Steelers defense. But you're
2: going to Steelers team that if they don't win
1: is also. Well, this is, this is a playoff game, basically, for both. Of them. I mean, the loser of this game is effectively done, I think. Right. It's, so let, yep. you know, let's let's be frank, especially in the divisions in which they're playing. The loser of this game is done. Done. Stick a fork at them. Uh, we're just getting started, though. We're not done at all. So we're going to have a break. We come back. We got more games to go through, including. A few more one o'clocks in the rest of the afternoon and primetime games. You're listening to the Line Star Apps Pre Snap Show. We'll be right back right after this.
0: The Pre Snap Podcast is brought to you by Line Star Transparent Projections, Simplified Research, Advanced Signals, and Top Rated Apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at linestarapp.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Let's get back at it.
1: Titans at Bills opened up at minus three and a half. Now it's minus five, uh, favoring the Titans, obviously. Uh, The total has gone from 39 and a half to 40, so really not much movement there at all. I'll tell you what, you know, I know this is not an exciting game from a fantasy perspective. Corey Davis has had a lot of volume. That's been good. The Tennessee running game has been uh, disappointing to say the very least. Mariota's health is starting to get better. That's a positive. But the one thing for me right away is... I've been like a broken record on here that Tennessee Titans defense is a defense that's tough and usually underpriced. And this is this another opportunity right here where the total's low and the opportunity for turnovers is ripe with a young quarterback over there for Josh Allen, uh for the Titans yet again, ref?
2: Yeah, Titans defense is definitely in play on FanDuel this week. We'll talk about that in the uh in the price play section. But um this is a tough game to handicap because Everything screams let down and the Bills getting five at home. It's just like, okay, you know, would you ever think the Titans would be a five point road favorite against anybody at the beginning of the season? Probably not. So I can understand why people are definitely grabbing the bills and figuring, but let's face it, how much how much scoring do we think is gonna happen in this game?
1: Oh, I think your score you nailed on the sheet. Yeah, I mean <laughs> a lot of it
2: feels like a lot of field goals. Yeah, and I mean, field, that might even field. be
1: generous. Honestly, this could be one yeah. of those
2: 16, 13 kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a uh, – look, the only way that this game gets above the total is if there's so many turnovers that it gives the opposing offense incredible field position, and they just yeah. punch
1: it. Oh, yeah, pick six, or it's got to be a yeah. team's touchdown. No doubt, or something like no that. doubt. That's, that's yep. the only way. i I'm 100% on board with that. Sure. Raiders so. at Chargers, that one moped at minus seven, now minus five. Total's at 52, now 53, so slight movement there. Look, the big storyline here is, you know, <laughs> feeling like a home game for the Oakland Raiders, right? You know, uh, look, the Chargers I- at this point, they don't put asses in the seats. So them playing at home is not the advantage that most teams have. And it's unfortunate. It sucks. I'm just going to come out and just flat out say it. It absolutely sucks. And I feel bad for the fan base from San Diego because they supported the hell out of that team how do you think that's affecting them on the field and how do you think that's going to affect the the feel of this game from both offenses perspective
2: well they don't have a home field advantage so when it gets down to it and the game is at the end uh they don't have the crowd making a lot of noise to give the off the opposing offense a lot of problems so that would be the you know, that would be the one thing with that. I mean, look though, their defense has gotten shredded every single week this year, pretty much except for the bills game and without Bosa and some of those injuries in the secondary that happened before the season, they've just been extremely vulnerable. And so, you know, the Raiders are starting to get going here on offense. Uh, Certainly we saw them put up a ton of points last week. It looks like car to cook uh, is certainly becoming uh, a thing and you know i think the raiders are going to be able to run the ball here and the chargers got a ton of injuries especially on the offensive line uh i've got a little pause on gordon this week uh only because of the injuries on the offensive line and i think that um look uh la chargers always going to screw that up
1: no it's all right it's, oh it's man they could have
2: things. easily lost they could have easily lost that game as a 10 point favorite last week now get they get
1: ready because when they become the vegas raiders we're gonna have this issue all yeah time. <laughs> i know i
2: don't know that might be a little easier to to you know well,
1: vegas uh, raiders sounds yeah advanced. yeah it
2: sounds, sounds sounds cool but um man i think this is a dangerous spot for the chargers i think the raiders are are primed to come in here and, and pull an upset uh you know, the Raiders are better than the Niners at this point, and I think their offense is a lot better than what we expected. I don't know about a 53 over-under. Obviously, that's being pushed up because every Charger game has been crazy, and last week's Raider game was crazy. Uh, I think it's inflated based on that Raider game last week. I think that it's it's tough to go with an with a over-53 in a division game. Uh, I know the Chargers defense isn't very good, but – I've got Raiders 26-24. I think there's some value on the Raiders this week. Uh, but I'm not in love with this game from a DFS perspective at all.
1: All right, fair enough. Uh, let's go over to the Cardinals at 49ers, speaking of not being in love with certain games. open at minus 5.5 there uh, for the Niners, now minus 4. Total of 41, now down to 40. Look, I mean, neither of these teams good against the run. I think there's huge opportunity, especially on the FanDuel side, when you see the David Johnson you know, whenever you see a seven next to David Johnson's name, it just automatically to me, I just go, wow. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I get it. I understand why, but that's a lot of talent to leave on the table at that kind of a cost, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And they're starting to use them a lot more, which is what we're waiting for. So you're now going to start getting a buying opportunity on David Johnson. The thing is, is that they're not going to score a ton. So you really got to hope that he's the one getting the touchdowns. Uh Neither team, can defend the run uh you got quarterback situations that certainly dictate conservative game script and uh division game nobody's going to take chances could there be some chunk plays and and break open plays in this game with a guy like Kittle a guy like Brita, absolutely and even Johnson but I think for the most part you're going to see a ton of runs a ton of short passes and this game could be over in two hours so um (laughs) I've got it. I've got the Niners pulling it out, uh, but only by a field goal twenty to seventeen.
1: All right, let's go to the Vikings at Eagles. Eagles coming off a bad loss there. And we talked about non division, you know, non-conference road games. And there you go. There's a perfect spot. And they hope you took advantage of it. But this one you got the Vikings who are another team playing for their life right now. They're gonna go strolling into town. This one minus three. The total uh is now at forty six and a half. It moved two points. I like the Vikings in this one. Uh, I'll be honest. I know the defense hasn't played well. And I think that actually helps from a DFS standpoint, because I think there's opportunity here for cousins and company to go in there with the lackluster running game and the injuries of Dalvin cook. I think this might be one of those aerial attacks. And from a daily standpoint, I think that's something to pay attention to might be flying under the radar, but how do you see this one working out from the Eagles Vikings DFS wise?
2: Yeah. um, Look, sometimes you just have to go with your gut and, um, a few weeks ago, when I saw the Bengals and the Panthers jump out at 44, uh, that game screamed over. And uh, this is the same thing um, 44 and a half, now 46 and a half. Uh, Vikings defense on the road is nowhere near as good as it's at home. It's certainly been vulnerable. Uh, we get a relatively healthy offensive unit on both sides. Cook is a little bit banged up, but look. Eagles don't give up anything on the run in the run anyway, so the the Vikings are going to be throwing a ton in this game. So if you've got if you've got two teams that you know are going to be throwing the ball a ton, naturally the over is going to be in play. And so even forty six and a half to me is low. I certainly think this game could could definitely approach fifty one points, twenty seven twenty four, or fifty four points, thirty to twenty four. I am on the Vikings in this spot. It's a must win game for Minnesota. It's a revenge game from last year's playoff. This is not a must-win game for the Eagles. No, the eagle the Eagles are going to get in the playoffs by winning their division. Agreed. They may, and I think it's a winnable division for them still. Nine nine wins may get it. So the Vikings may not win their division, and so they're going to have to get into the wild card. And they may end up having a nine and seven or a ten and six record, and, and getting in. Whereas the Eagles may have nine and seven. You know, I just. I think everything to me, um, I'm absolutely on the Vikings here along with you. I think they it's a must-win game for them, and I'm all over that stack of cousins stealing digs. All right, the next one I want to talk about here, and I'll tell you, I
1: can't wait to get into this game with you. It's the Rams at Seahawks. It opened at minus seven. Now it's seven and a half. The total basically stayed the same. It's now 50 and a half. Now, I'm looking at this one, and I'm saying to myself, Doug Baldwin comes back. That's a big positive for Seattle. It's in their building and the Rams are rolling right now and they're rolling but still there's been some injuries like Akib Talib which is a big difference in that secondary when he's not around and you've pointed a lot of these things out in the sheet too but I was thinking the same kind of things here. This one to me screams of a possible game the way we had last year. Remember when Houston went into Seattle and we had that incredible Crazy shootout game that was so unbelievable and fun from a fantasy standpoint. Russell Wilson hasn't had a big game yet, and I understand that Rams defense is outstanding, and I understand that front. I, I get it all, but you want to talk about feelings? I have a feeling like this one is going to be a video game, and it's going to be fun to watch. And I don't think it's going to be as one sided as a lot of people think it's going to be.
2: I'm with you on a few, uh, a lot of that. Um, the one thing that I put pause on as far as this game potentially being a crazy shootout is it is a division game. And the the, the stats uh, show that when you have a game in this scenario where it's a division game, there's a road favorite. It's a quote-unquote chalk road favorite. Uh, 70, about 75-8% of the time over the last 10 years, these games have gone under the total. Um, That's pretty significant. So that would be the one pause I have. I certainly taking the handicapping angle out of it. I certainly can see, I think the Seahawks are being completely disrespected. Getting seven and a half at home is crazy. This is a team that, yeah, it's not the same Seahawks, but still they're not dead either. They're two and two. They've had a pretty hard opening schedule here. And I think everyone wants to write this team off. You know, the Earl Thomas middle finger, the, uh, the Rashad Penny disaster. I just feel like everybody wants to crap on the Seahawks as much as they can and trash Pete Carroll and trash Brian Schottenheimer. And look, I hate Brian Schottenheimer. I hate him. I think he's, <laughs> can't, can't. He's, he shouldn't have a job in the NFL. But I think the Seahawks are being completely overlooked and disrespected. And the Rams are riding really high. They're coming off a 10-day layover. I certainly could see uh, a situation where, um, look, my take on this game is this. I think it's going to be close. I wanted to pull the trigger on Seattle, win this game outright. I just can't. I've got the Rams 26-23, but my take on this game is I think most of the fantasy points from the Rams are going to come from Gurley and not Goff in the passing game.
1: Uh, I would agree. I think the way you attack Seattle is that way, but I do think the Rams win. I want to be, you know, facetious here and thinking that this is going to be an upset because I don't, but I just think this is one of those, again, in division games, Seattle's going to get up for it. They're at home. I think this is going to be one of those spots where if you're looking for a little bit of strange, I think Seattle's that little bit of strange there with Russell Wilson and with Baldwin back. I think that's the way I would look. All right. Now the line start app, you can click on each player and see the results for each game along with uh, what they scored, and the metrics used for the current week's projections. You can also sort players by several options, love-hated, salary, projected points, so many different options on the LineStar app, so make sure you're downloading it and using it for all of your DFS needs. Uh, let's hit some of these pricing changes before we do the break here. Uh, on DK, you got Adam Thielen, plus 1,200, uh, and he was dropped because of the Rams game, so that's week over week. You got Cooper Cup and Kittle, also up plus 1,200. And, and, you know, between those two guys, I'm curious, is there one that you are willing to pay for with this uh, increase or correction uh, more than Yeah, that?
2: I'm still willing to pay the Thielen because they had dropped him based on matchup. And then they put him back and he's still below market value. Kittle is getting a little bit expensive, but I, I think with the landscape of tight ends, uh, it's still a guy that you have to look at. Yeah. Um, Look, some uh, of the other this it's brutal right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, so I think get kind of forced to go that direction. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not in love with the with the Rams. Uh, I did they did bump those guys back up. Uh, I'm not in love with the Rams passing game this week. And then also Corey Davis going up 1,100 bucks. He's got a very tough matchup against Tadeus White, and I don't know if there's going to be a lot of points in that game. As much as I love Davis in the, in the breakout game last week, I can't play him this week. No, that's fair enough, especially if you believe that they're going to be in control.
1: It's going to be a defensive, ugly kind of game. Uh, Tyler Boyd, also plus 1,100, who we've been loving on this show for weeks. Um, you can debate that one. Uh, Dion Lewis, plus 1,000. That's not one that's interesting me. Sorry, I'm just not there. And you mentioned, two another guy, Brandon Cooks, on that L.A. Rams side, also uh, went up a $1,000. On the minus side, Tyree Kill went down 1,200. Kelsey, eight hundred. Obviously, that Jacksonville effect. Do you think that that is too much or an opportunity here to uh, buy in on some of these guys? I know you don't like Kansas City as much as I do this week, so I'm curious what you're taking. Yeah,
2: I'm not. I'm not on the Chiefs. Um, okay. There's there, even with the price corrections, I, I still,
0: I still no, got a. Th- hey, yeah.
2: and hunting's another game one is too. Minus seven hundred than over. Yeah, it's more apt to go under than over. All right. Fair enough. We got Eli
1: Manning and Odell Beckham minus 800 and 700, respectively. Uh, I'm not buying into this. You know, Giants, Giants in the past have been one of these teams that, you know, they can go out there and have a good road game and everyone's like, oh, well, look at the Giants showed up today. But you know what? It doesn't make it a good investment, even if it does happen. we McCoy minus 700, but that offense leaves a lot to be desired. Over on the FanDuel side, you got Mike Davis up a thousand, Corey Davis up a thousand and Kiki QT plus 900 but it looks like will fuller so far is trending in the right direction so that's uh, becoming a sketchy play i think uh personally but let's talk about mike davis because we haven't yet you saw what happened last week if indeed seattle does play tough do you see davis getting involved again
2: uh as it stands right now it sounds like he's not going to get the start so that would be um the hesitation there um uh, I know they want to establish the run. I don't think that they're going to be able to in this game. I think Seattle is going to have to win this game in the air. And so it's going to be a lot of Baldwin, a lot of um, Lockett, and maybe even Nick Nick Van Aft.
1: Now with Carson returning to practice,
2: I guess my question is, do
1: you feel like, you know, even with the injury him returning, do you think that Carson then becomes somebody you want to buy in either? I mean, or is this just a situation on the running game? Just stay away from it altogether
2: because of the question marks surrounding it. I think the running game is just going to be there as means to keep the keep the defense honest. I don't think by any means they're going to be able to control the game on the ground against the Rams. So it's just going to be there to keep the defense honest.
1: All right, Manning minus 600 over week to week on FanDuel and Baldwin minus 500. Now, well, that's funny because this week he's playing there will be some people apt to want to fire Doug Baldwin up in this game and others that will be hesitant because of the injury and him, you know, first getting back here. Which side do you fall on, Raph?
2: I like Baldwin in GPPs with a Seattle stack, and that would be the only chance I would play him. Uh, If I'm stacking Seattle, I'm going to have Gurley on the other side because, as I said, I don't want to pick one of three receivers, and I know Gurley's going to get work. I'm going to get low ownership on Seattle, and I don't have a problem playing Chalk and Gurley. So that's how I would go with that.
1: All right, we're going to hit a break. When Raph and I come back, we're going to go through the positions, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and we're going to give you our take on what the overall picture looks like at each position and the players were fading as well. You're listening to the pre-snap right here on the LineStar app. More right after this.
0: The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by LineStar. Dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit linestarapp.com now and start your free trial.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody, to the pre-snap wrath. Let's talk about quarterback. Obviously, no luck, no Brady, and uh, no Breeze in this main slate as well. So with that being said, who are the quarterbacks that we're ranging and targeting this week to build lineups off of?
2: Yeah, arguably, you don't have four out of the top eight quarterbacks in play this week, so not a lot at the top of the board. It certainly looks like from early projections that we got a concentration of six quarterbacks that are going to be the chalk uh, Bortle, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Bortles, Dalton Rogers, for some reason, uh, Matt Ryan. <laughs> Cam well, I mean, no, no I, I, know. I, I just, it. it's still road, road game division game. He's not healthy. No wide receivers. I don't, I don't see it. Um, so really is look, we're not going to talk about the chalk quarterbacks, um, because it, it, they're so defined and I'm not going to, you know, I, I talked about Rogers and that would be the one guy that, you know, I, I certainly don't get. Um, so there's really no need to give any analysis on the other five. Uh, certainly they're in play. Really what it comes down to is finding the quarterbacks this year that are one to 5% owned that you think can finish in the top five. So, um, and to not to mention, we got Patrick Mahomes against the Jaguars. So, right, that, which is almost
1: awesome. like a negative there, sure. Uh-huh. Right,
2: so <clears throat> we got we got a couple things here. We got three guys that I really like. And uh, across the board, they're less than 5% owned from a projected standpoint. Uh, Joe Flacco, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Flacco and Stafford, for me, are price versus projected. So I think that you're just getting great value based on their price and where, uh, you know, where the price is versus what their projection is. Cousins, to me, is a, is a phenomenal tournament play because he's got 35 point upside and with those two receivers, they could really do a number on the Eagles secondary. So um, again, I think the total was low. I think cousins for me is going to be the standout GPV play. Now we're going to introduce something called price play. Ooh. And so I love new bits. Yeah. So this is um, look, I think that there's certain times when you have to look at the salaries on the, on the sites, and recognize where there's an opportunity. And so you had mentioned, mentioned Russell Wilson earlier. And absolutely, like, listen, he's priced down at 5,100 this week. He's at home and he's got Baldwin back. They're going to be up for this game. I do, And Tlaib, I think Wilson by far is the best value GPP guy on DraftKings at 5,100. Look, if he doesn't do it this week, you know, he he ain't going to do it this year. He's just not going to happen. This is the week. And so, and then Mariota, who I'm not in love with, uh, but he's only 6,800 on FanDuel. And the reason why I say that is when you look at the price differential on the sites, typically quarterback is going to be about a $1,500 difference in average between FanDuel and DraftKings. FanDuel will be higher. Okay. Um, Wilson is probably like a $2,000 difference. There's a huge difference there. Remember Newton a few weeks ago, I mentioned he was sub 6K, you know, an 8.5 on FanDuel. So that's really where your opportunity is, is if if you want to use Mariota, FanDuel is the place to use him. He's under 7,000.
1: All right, let's continue on here and uh, talk about the ones to fade. I mean, Lou, you already mentioned Rodgers and Mahomes. Uh, but Mayfield also in that group too. So as the internet darling. Don't forget that. Don't get caught up in that stuff. That's a terrible matchup for him on paper against a very good defense. Even if they did come out a little flat, there's a lot of pitfalls, way too many in there. So don't get cute. Let's go to the running backs with no Kamara, no Ezekiel Elliott in the Sunday main slate. Uh, that means ownership is going to be very heavy on Gurley, on Gordon and McCaffrey, who we mentioned, but th- does that make it a bad thing? I mean, I don't think it makes it a bad thing. It makes it actually pretty crystal clear and I, I don't see how you can really hit, you know, a 180 sort of plateau in points over on FanDuel's side if you don't have some combination of those guys. I find it really difficult to buy in. So do you think that the, in this case the chalk is a good thing for these guys?
2: Yeah, because it doesn't appear like any of these guys are going to be forty, fifty percent owned. So, you know, from that perspective, uh, you know, you don't worry about it so much.
1: All right. Let's go with the rest of them too. TJ Yeldon, carry On Johnson. Are very trendy value plays. Do you favor one more than the other? Is it Yeldon against that Chiefs defense?
2: Yeah, I think a lot Yeldon. I mean, he's probably going to be the chalk this week, but maybe only at 25, 30 percent. So it's really hard to get away from Yeldon. I mean, especially on PPR. Yeah,
1: and now less than five percent owned. Aaron Jones uh, on DK and Matt Breida as well on there. We talked about David Johnson's price. Uh, Eckler on DK's 4,200. But I'll, I want to go back to Aaron Jones and try to drive this home. If he is indeed less than 5% owned, potentially, I, I that blows my mind because I don't understand how you could watch what happened last week in Detroit, not see what Ezekiel Elliott did, not see all the injuries over there. And now all these rookies who are thrust into roles for Green Bay and not think that the running game is going to be leaned on just a bit more heavily. And I know people want to talk about Ty Montgomery again and bring that up. But Aaron Jones has been clearly the most effective tool they've had there. So uh, I'm shocked of the 5% number for Aaron Jones. Should I not be so shocked? I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, sometimes these projected ownership numbers, uh, sometimes they're off, but look, the week that um, uh, Allison was going to start and Cobb was out uh, to me, it was a no brainer. Um, Allison's number was still relatively low. It wasn't the six or 7% projected, but, wasn't that much more than that? It might have been twelve, thirteen, from what I remember. um It wasn't grossly, you know. Do I think Jones can get above five? Absolutely. Do I think he can get to ten? I certainly can see it, but I don't think he's going to be chalk. All right, James Connor is the fade for the week, but
1: I, I think at this point, I think that's pretty obvious. It's a game flow kind of situation, plus the usage and the volume and everything's. Just yeah, but to here's the
2: thing: touch. you've got people out there that are saying, "Oh, they'll just they're going to throw the ball a ton to him this week, and he'll be." Um, that well, so that
1: I mean, historically, that's how you attack Atlanta, but I just
2: don't right. know if that's how Pittsburgh's gonna attack. Atlanta. No, I don't either. I don't, I, just, think so.
1: I don't, I'm not buying that. And, and I think nobody Vance wants McDonald's to run, yeah, see, ding ding, that's where I'm going this week, too. Vance McDonald, 100%, because it's the same kind of thing it's over the middle, it's the linebackers, no. it's mismatches. I, I just don't see Pittsburgh doing that. And nobody wants to attack with running backs against Atlanta who catch the football more than me in the last three years. Nobody, nobody wants to do it more than me, but I don't know about this week. Uh, James Connor, uh, we already talked about him. So let's go to the wide receivers. So uh, the passing explosion has really opened up the wide receiver position. We've seen guys like Boyd and Ridley have huge, monstrous tournament winning games. We've also seen the big boys like Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins have great games. So how are you approaching this right here this week uh, with the way the slate looks for the main
2: outside of stacks? Um, <clears throat> I certainly am one piece of the Steeler Falcons. So Uh, You know, I'm not a big Julio guy uh, just because of the touchdown thing, but I certainly like Brown and Juju, and I like Sanu. You know, Uh, Brown
1: has not had a Brown game yet.
2: Right, right. So uh, this could be the spot for sure, Um, although it's one of those things where certainly in a tournament, I want the trio. I want Ben, Brown, Juju. Uh, I wouldn't go any other route who you pair that back with on the other side. It's going to be tough to pair it back with Julio. So I think Sanu would be the guy that you could pair it back with. Um, as far as other wide receivers, look, I told you about the Vikings, Thielen Diggs, less than 10% owned. I just think that those guys have the potential of just lighting, lighting up scoreboards and they're elite wide receivers, and they're just grossly under-owned this week, projected-wise. Uh, I kind of like Marvin Jones. Look, the, the Green Bay game is interesting because they've actually revamped this secondary, and a lot of this depends on Kevin King. But Marvin Jones could be the guy to take advantage of the weak link in that Packers secondary. Uh, I've been all over John Brown every single week. I love him again this week. He's been the number one guy for Flacco. We talked about D.D. Westbrook earlier, insane price, 4700 I believe, on DraftKings. Certainly potential of going 5X in that game. He's been their best wide receiver. Um, price play, DraftKings, Lockett and Baldwin have been dropped down because of the Rams. Uh, don't necessarily know if that's correct. So again, we get Lockett, Baldwin, and Wilson at extremely cheap prices. A.J. Green, for whatever reason, is very cheap on DraftKings uh over on FanDuel Galladay and Emmanuel Sanders are both extremely underpriced on that site and would be more in play over there yeah Sanders is an intriguing one too because that's one that keeps popping
1: up for me when I see the price point and you're looking to pay up for the girlies or McCaffrey's and get those guys in your lineup because Sanders is another one of these guys he just needs to touch the ball the one time to be a thing and I think he's the kind of player that that Jets defense is a little more physical than it's been in years past but I think he's the kind of player that could really exploit that Jets defense, from what I've seen from them so far. Uh, in terms of fading, too, you're fading the Rams wide receivers collectively. Is that because you can't pinpoint where the touchdowns going to, or just because you think it's just such a heavy Todd Gurley show?
0: Yeah, uh,
2: um, I, I'm not sure who's going to get the. Uh, you know, again, it's one of those things where you're either going to take all of them or you're going to take none of them. And so I just don't know where to throw the dart this week. And I'm a little bit concerned that uh, this, this Rams Seahawks game is not a lot of Rams air show that it's more the Todd Gurley show. I mean, he crushed them last year, four touchdowns, 48 point performance. Uh, They could lean on Todd Gurley the whole entire game. So that's just, that's just my theory about how it could play out. So I just am not going to be on those guys because I don't think uh, I want to throw a dart and figure out who's going to do it. And Keelan
1: Cole's the other guy you're fading, but I think that's a, that's a pretty obvious one to you. I don't think we need to get into the reasons why. Uh, the tight end position here, uh, obviously a wasteland with all the injuries we've, we've known, and, and when you have Ebron and Gronk have already played, so they're out of it. Jordan Reed's not involved. So, look, it comes down to those usual suspects that we have left. It's Jared Cook, it's Zach Ertz, it's Kittle, and I'll tell you what too. McDonald is the one I'm glad you highlighted because to me, that's the one, especially on the FanDuel side. He's so cheap. I mean, I, I don't understand why that wouldn't be the best, you know, way to go, especially if you do think Pittsburgh is going to score points in that one.
2: Yeah, you got to look. Um, it's a lot harder to find value on FanDuel than it is DraftKings. So where you, where you find value, you got to take it. And so that's why McDonald becomes a, a priority play for me over there. And Kelsey, you're fading based on the matchup, right? I don't get why he's projected as number one owned. I mean, look, they don't give up. Well, I think up it's any- just by
1: default, by the lack of yeah. talent on the slate. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's so much as an endorsement of Kelsey in this matchup, so much as a indictment of the rest of the field.
2: They just give up nothing to tight ends.
1: I, but I, yeah, I hear you. That's why, that's why I think Hill is intriguing. Cause a little motivated Tyreek Hill, a little jail. I, I, I
2: agree. Back. Look, if I'm, if I'm yeah, running, if, uh, if, if I'm, I'm running, running one guy out there, <laughs> Yeah, if I'm running Bortles, Yeldon, Westbrook, I want Hill on the other side.
1: I hear you. All right, defenses. Ravens looks like it might be the highest owned, and they deserve it. The Titans, based on price, we've talked about loving them. Uh, Let's go to uh, the Panthers, too, and chat about them real fast. This Giants uh, offense certainly has some talent, but really seem to struggle in terms of getting going. So do you think the Panthers are in play here at home against the Giants off the bye?
2: I do uh, because they're not part of the chalk circle this week. And anytime you get a defense outside the top three, that's kind of what you're looking for. Uh, They're not heavily priced. You know, they're priced just below the top tier. So that's that you got that in the favor. They're home. They're favored. They got a pass rush. They got a quarterback on the other side that hasn't performed well. I think this game is going to be, you know, on the ground and they don't give up a ton. opposing running backs or wide receivers. So I think this Panthers defense is a lot better than what, you know, look, I know the Atlanta game and the Bengal game got a little bit out of control, but I think that was more along the lines of those teams' offenses instead of the Panthers defense. So I do think the Panthers defense is still legit. And uh, I think the Giants in a really bad spot. And I could see a very ugly game for Manning. Now, just for perspective, site to site, the Titans on FanDuel are number 16, and DK,
1: they're number one priced. The uh, the Broncos, FanDuel, number 12, and DK at number four. The 49ers are number 17 on the FanDuel side, number three on the DK side, and the Jaguars, number nine on the DK side, and number two on the FanDuel side. So some drastic differences site to site in terms of uh, investment. So pay attention to that when you're creating lineups. All right, when we're talking about projected team ownership here, Rath, before we head out, Obviously, Pittsburgh is going to be very heavily owned, Uh, the Rams, uh, the Chargers as well. Do you think the Chargers in this one, is that a bit of a trap uh, for some of the reasons we discussed earlier?
2: It could be. Um, There's some injuries to the offensive line in that game. Uh, Look, their projected total is 29. And if they come under the projected total, it could be an issue. So again, if they put up 24 points, they put up three touchdowns and it doesn't. If Rivers doesn't go for, uh, you know, three touchdowns, or Gordon uh, doesn't get two touchdowns, then it's not a great. You know, you're kind of picking one or the other. I don't think a stack with them is very optimal this week. Um, I think you're either picking a lane, you're either picking Rivers or you're picking Gordon, and that's the lane that you're going down. Um, I lean more towards Gordon, but um, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to hit the twenty nine.
1: All right. We mentioned earlier a lot of value over on the Jaguar side. Rath talked about before the Dolphins, everyone writing them off, but Cincinnati giving them a possibility for a little bit of surprise life here in this one. And DraftKings has reduced Seattle Seahawks a ton versus the Rams. So uh, in terms of stacking, in terms of going off, there is Seattle indeed the sneaky snack. (laughs) I can't even say it. The sneaky stack of the week. Boy, I feel better I now so. that I got that. As, out. Much
2: as, as much as I would love to jump on the Dolphins, look, I did, you know, I think the Dolphins are interesting. I just don't know where to go. Um,
1: you No, know, well, because they haven't shown you what they can, they haven't shown any consistency. So there's no reason to think you can. Yeah, it's, it's just, just something a, to this, keep in
2: mind. They're, they're ridiculously low owned. And, and I think that's more of a wagering thing than it is a DFS thing. Yeah. So um, can't figure out what's going to happen with the Dolphins, but you can lock in with Seattle. And Baldwin, Lockett, Wilson, boy, at their reduced prices, it really allows you to do a lot of different stuff. You know, Gurley on the other side, and then you can start building lineups with maybe some other guys. Like I said, A.J. Green is underpriced. Uh, Austin Eckler is underpriced. You know, look for some of these value plays on guys that are underowned, and really gain an edge on the field that way. Uh, The Vikings would be the most solid stack of the week for me uh cousins Thielen, digs to me is just you know they're not going to run the ball cousins is going to throw 45 50 times potentially almost all the concentration will go to Thielen and to digs i mean those guys just getting monster target numbers it's really hard to get away from the vikings this week
0: All right.
1: Uh, I'm in a complete agreement. All right. Now who are you getting away from this week? I know you mentioned the Rams, uh, the receivers at least, but who else are you getting away from here that you think everybody else is going to be in love with?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, most, most guys just recommend everybody at the top of the list. Nobody wants to (laughs) to, No, look, I'm being real. No, it's true. It's true. Nobody wants to go on a limb and look, I could be wrong. I was wrong on the Colts and the Texans, uh, I'm not in love with the Falcons this week. I think that they're going to come under the total. I don't like the spot. Their their ownership is sky high, and I don't think they're going to win the game, and I think they're going to come way under the team total. And the Rams, I just think that this is going to be a girly game, and I'm not on golf, and I'm not on the receivers, and they are up there for ownership, so I just can't do any of them.
1: All right, that'll do it for us, but be sure to check out Ryan Humphrey's Week 5 DFS write-up. He gives you the ratings for cash and GPP for each pick, and it goes out in a newsletter via email, and it's also posted to the projections page in the LineStar Star app and website. You can also follow Ryan over at NitroDFS. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia 17 and follow this good-looking son of a B over here at Fantasy Wrath. For Michael Rathburn, I'm Joe Pizapia. That'll do it for the pre-snap, and now it's time to set down win.
0: Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pia on the Lion Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at linestarapp.com, and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.